Hey y'all, this is Allie Spears, your host of the Ag Chicks podcast, where I cultivate connections with the women who are helping feed the world. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Today's guest is Sarah Sprayberry. She was born and raised in the hills of Bernie, where she began bleeding maroon the second she came out of the womb. To say that her parents are diehard Aggies would be an understatement. So naturally, she became academically inbred by receiving her bachelor's, master's, and is now pursuing her PhD at Texas A&M University. In her master's, she developed an E. coli pig model for human environmental enteropathy, a nutritional disease seen in youth in third world countries, while also managing the Texas A&M swine farm, where she was one of the first female operators. She has always had a passion for agriculture as she grew up raising pigs in 4-H, was involved in FFA, and competed at horse shows. Through her teaching at Blinn College and working for Texas 4-H, she solidified her desire to connect youth with the farmers that feed them. She especially loves developing culturally responsive programs for minoritized youth that can feel left out or overlooked. Please join me in introducing and welcoming Sarah to the podcast. Uh, is this your first podcast episode? Or like no. being on a podcast? <gasps> I love ever taking people's uh, podcast virginity. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so honored. Pop that cherry, man. <laughs> right? Exactly. Oh, man. Well, today I'm sitting down with the one and only Sarah Sprayberry, and we are going to be uh, chatting about your you, um, things in agriculture, things in ag research, uh, all of the all of the ways that we intersect, and then also just kind of your what you've got going on. So, uh, very excited to have you on. Thank you for joining me. Um, but Sarah, let's kind of start from the beginning. Little Sarah, where did you grow up? <laughs> Bernie, Texas. So just north of San Antonio in the beautiful hill country. Um, born and raised there. My parents have been there for 35 years. So that's pretty much my foundation. Yeah. Okay. And then you grew up involved in agriculture to what extent? Like 4-H, so, FFA? Oh yeah. All of it. So I was in 4-H and I showed hogs. And then of course, I think every girl goes through the transition of like, I was wanting to be a veterinarian. So I did all the vet tech stuff in 4-H. Um, I shadowed veterinarians, and then I soon learned. I was like, "Better ah, not." <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a hard no for me. Um, and then FFA, I did like horse judging, and I also did um, plant judging. I was absolutely terrible at that. Um, don't ever ask me to identify any sort of plant unless it's like a blue bonnet then I got that one down pat but other than that no and don't ask me to grow them either because I'll kill them (laughs) yeah I'm right there with you I um I had a garden at one point didn't didn't pan out too well and I'm like having having the garden feels again where like I want one but I'm like "Mm, didn't work out the first time maybe I should just you know not well it's funny because you know I work for a junior master gardener and so they like um, my boss gave me a tomato plant and she's like you can do this I was like "Mm." 
you could give me a hog and I'll definitely grow that. We can slaughter it, have some bacon, but my tomato plant is low key dying right now, yeah. but I did get some tomatoes off of it. So that's good. Okay. Well, that's nice. You got at least <laughs> a little bit of a, a harvest. <laughs> Complete failure. Yeah. <laughs> good. 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 <laughs> So, okay, so you did 4-H FFA, then you came to Texas A&M, which I know you often refer to yourself as um, an inbred, so we'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute, but what, like, why A&M? Was there, like, a certain reason, or was that just, like, always, yeah, I'm gonna go to A&M? No, actually, so, like, my parents were Aggies, and so, I mean, bleeding maroon since day one, my mobile over my bed was the Aggie wore him, so it's, like, you will go to AM. But I was bound and determined like senior year. I was like, I'm not going. And so I applied to all schools out of state, um, Kentucky, Ohio State, Auburn. I got into all of those. And then kind of in like January, February, my senior year was down to Auburn and AM and AM just felt right. <laughs> yeah. That I, Auburn blood came back. <laughs> right. And I can um uh... I, I'm right there with you on that one. I also feel like I, well, okay, obviously I'm from California, but I, right. five seconds on campus, I was like, yeah, this is where I'm going. And like, yeah. that's nothing else really could compare at that point. So. I know. And it yeah. still hasn't because here we are still you here. Know, we can't get out. <laughs> we can't leave. <laughs> Never. <laughs> right. Okay. So undergrad, you um, did your undergrad in animal science, correct? Yes, I did. Okay. And then you got your master's in animal science. Animal science, yep. Yeah, okay. And then you started your PhD elsewhere. I did. And then came back here. I did. Okay, so walk us through that a little bit. And and like, okay, also, so Sarah and I are in grad school together. For those of you who are like, how does she know so much about her educational journey? <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we are in grad school together in the Department of Agricultural Leadership, Education, and Communications, wow. the world's longest mm -hmm. title ever. I know. <laughs> Um, but that's where we met and kind of where we, uh, connected and we have a lot of similarities and kind of our interests and passions too. So that's why I know so much about Sarah to this point. Talk <laughs> <Hawk> me. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know all of my guests' educational history this much, <laughs> but, um, so you did undergrad and master's and everything in animal science and you had like a very serious, like serious master's project so tell us a little bit about that and kind of like yeah. where your interest in research came from where I went yeah so yeah. obviously pigs are my thing which people find very odd because I know they smell awful but they're just my people and so master's was swine nutrition my project was actually using pigs as like a human model for environmental enteropathy which is also a mouthful but in lameness terms, it's a disease that's found in like Africa, third world countries, developing countries, and it stunts the little villi. So the little finger-like things that we got in our small intestine, so they can't absorb nutrients, they become malnourished, and then it actually normally ends up in death, which is really tragic. And so what we're trying to do with pigs is simulate environmental enteropathy and actually come up with kind of a cure that we could eventually take over and like work with um, food programs and World Health and all of those guys to kind of help with what was happening in developing countries. So that being said, that took me into, I love nutrition. I've always loved nutrition on the livestock side and human side. 
And so I was like, maybe I want to do human nutrition. And so that's where I went to Texas Tech, which is, you know, a big no-no in the Aggie world. Um, and I started my nutrition PhD. And what I was going to do there was kind of similar things, but I was going to work with farmers in Africa on how they can better their livestock nutrition and see how that helps their villages nutrition in terms of everybody who is five and under. So kind of the same lines on the environmental anthropathy, but um, a series of unfortunate events is what I call it happened in Texas Tech and everything just kind of went south. And it was kind of like, yeah, I think God was kind of like, mm, this, this ain't it. So I waltzed myself back to the place that I know oh so well, and that would be Aggieland. <laughs> and that is where we are now. <laughs> and that's where we are now. So, um, yes. <laughs> yes. And for you, like, was, obviously, you're at your PhD stage now, right? And we, you are kind of in this hopeful final stretch here. But. Yeah. Um, was research like ever on your radar or like a world in academia? Was that something you always knew you wanted to do or how did that kind of like come about? Always. Um, always. I don't know why <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish I could tell myself, I don't need to be in academia because I have a love hate relationship for it. You know, I mean, Me you know, the struggles of academia that we have, especially in the ag world. Um, we've just, I've had issues being a female and, you know, people not respecting my decisions and things like that, especially in the animal science world, it was a struggle. But in undergrad, um, Dr. Coverdale, I don't know if you had her, but I she do, was- but I know who she is. Yes, she was equine nutrition and she kind of like sparked everything in me. And that's really where I decided that academia was gonna be it. And I did a research project with her in undergrad and I was like, mm, this is it. And so that's kind of how I went into my master's and then knew that I wanted to have a PhD and just continue to be a student for life. Right, uh, a lifelong <laughs> learner. Uh, that is what we call it, isn't it, Allie? A lifelong learner. That's what our department loves to say. I'm like, yes, we are lifelong learners, and yeah. which I mean is a, is, is a good thing, right? I mean, you should it, always be curious and learning. But the way they put it, I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't want to learn about ag philosophy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> right. And yeah, so we, um, yeah, so, and for those of you who are like, okay, what even is like a PhD in agricultural leadership, education and communications? Fantastic question. Um, so I think, so for myself, obviously I'm taking more of the communications route yes. and you are kind of taking all of the routes. That is such a good way to put it. She's like the lost child. Um, I'm really not, but I am. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody asked me that. Other day. They're like, what section do you fit in? And I'm like, why do I have to put myself in a box? Right. I will say that I'm not tied to the leadership. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of how I feel too. I feel like my stuff can kind of fit into education and right, exactly. leadership. Yeah. There's a, a little bit, but it's kind of. Yeah. Not. It's not there. Yeah. education is really probably where if I had to put myself in a box that's where I would put myself yeah and so let's talk about your dissertation a little bit and let's talk about too I think people they hear the word dissertation and they don't really know what that means so maybe let's like unpack that a little <laughs> I don't even know what it means I was about to say, you sure you want to ask me that because I'm not sure that I can unpack that well <laughs> it's death yeah kind of what it feels like but no it's good so for you, for your topic and your research right now, 
Um, yes. What are you working on? We're in the thick of it. Um, so I am working on culturally responsive programming for Hispanic youth that ties agricultural literacy and nutrition education. Okay, yes. It's a yes. lot of words. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of words, but that's, I think sometimes, so I obviously have like not had a ton of research focused guests, but I thought that this would be a really unique conversation because yeah. you understand obviously the research side of it, but then also like the implications of the industry side, which yes. I think those lines get blurred a lot. And people in the industry are like, I don't understand why the research impact me or mm -hmm. on the research side, people are so research focused that they don't understand the real world implications. So they live in their you, powers, <laughs> right? And so for you and like your project and your focus, what does it mean from an industry standpoint? Yeah. Oh, I love that question. Um, for me personally, I think about how extension education, we're supposed to serve everybody, right? Especially in Texas, like we need to serve Texans. And so if we look at the Texan population, we see that Caucasians are actually in the minority mm -hmm. and our Hispanic and Latino counterparts are actually the majority, but we are not doing, I personally think, enough to be serving them. I mean, you look at Texas 4-H and I'm doing a content analysis um, with Dr. Dooley, which is, you know, basically just looking at words, figures, pictures. And so I look at the 4-H website, there's two things that are really offered in Spanish forms, but like there's not programs that are really tied to Spanish. And so for me, I'm like, I think we need to see how if we actually tailor things to the people that we're serving, how it actually improves their understanding and their connection to ag especially as we go from rural to urban, like we need to be targeting those kids so they know that their food doesn't come from a box right? or that it comes from HEB, right? I mean, a lot of kids are just not tied to that. And I think part of the reason why is because we're not targeting them and actually helping tailor to what they understand. And it's not necessarily a has to be like, oh, you do Hispanic. It has to be in Spanish. It's also doing like they're middle schoolers. So culturally making it middle school appropriate so like incorporating tiktok incorporating things like that that they understand and that they appreciate incorporating their favorite pop stars things like that and how uh oh and my office went dark <laughs> you need to move around a little bit <laughs> that's kind of a story of my life <laughs> it's not gonna do the it old, the old uh yeah. motion sensors motion you know, sensor we gotta save the energy right well, we can have kyle field on at all times <laughs> and jumbotron is is ready to go at all times like, it is on 24 7 <laughs> mm -hmm. oh man but no okay so back to kind of what you just said i think that yeah. that is uh an important thing for everyone to understand from the standpoint yes. of um like even relating to kind of my interest and stuff in terms of like consumers and yeah. looking at how we connect with them and better communicate with exactly. them. Like we have to understand them in order to be able to do that. And yeah. so your focus is interesting because of the just demographic that you're choosing mm -hmm. to focus on. Um, but then the fact again too, right. That's the majority and, and, and Caucasians are now the minority here, which is mm -hmm. kind of crazy to think about, but also yeah meaning that we need to switch the way we approach things when yeah. we're talking yeah. about ag literacy and um, food and all of that, nutrition, mm -hmm. all the aspects. Yes. And because, so, I mean, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you look at nutrition, 
wise, I've taken a lot of public health classes in my PhD and just there's called social determinants of health. And it kind of shows how we have different health or access to health. And actually one in four Hispanic children are considered obese. And a lot of people want to put it on, well, oh, it's because of what they eat and everything. Actually, no, it's because we push them become uh, culturized and they then are consumed into the American diet and the American way of living. And that like, you know, marketing gets targeted towards them on like sodas and things like that. And so, no, it's not really what a lot of people think. And so that's another reason why I'm wanting to do that nutrition aspect of it is trying to help, again, just serve that population better than what we're doing. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. And it will be yeah. interesting to see kind of what you find through that too. Hope I find something. <laughs> <laughs> something that is so, and you're doing um, a qualitative? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. And so for individuals who are like, what the heck does quantitative mean? Um, quantitative is when you typically are using statistics of some sort to kind of explain your findings. Qualitative is really more not the what, but the why. Um, so typically not using numbers at all, um, but more of like statements and um pictures, words yeah. to kind of describe what's the, happening. The feelings. Yeah. Feelings, mm -hmm. yeah. Which is, and yeah, so there's differences, obviously. But um, <laughs> I'm just trying to wrap it's my head around this yeah. in terms of kind of your uh, your focus, which I think will be interesting to see. So are you using surveys or how are mm -hmm. you? Okay. Yeah, so I have the curriculum and it's the ag literacy from matrix that Utah state has done. And so I just have the basic one that they have on their website, but then I've taken it and I've tailored it. And so I'm going to have treatment one and treatment two. And then I'm just going into middle schools this summer, like with summer school, ACE programs, things like that. And I'm just going to give them a pre-survey and then a post-survey. And that will be it after they have the three lessons. Nice. Very cool. It is. What are you thinking you're going to find? I hope, I really hope that it shows that with that culturally tailoring, that it does help them understand like ag literacy goes up as well as your nutrition education. So what we're looking as nutrition education is like attitudes and behaviors. So exposing them to how milk goes from cow to store, does that actually increase their dairy consumption mm -hmm. or want them to? Because part of the tailoring is also they get recipes to take home and they get little activities to do with their family. So trying to incorporate that family aspect of it for them to discuss like what they eat, their nutrition, how they could maybe make their nutrition better and kind of things like that that they can do together. Very cool. Very yeah. Cool. And so all of this too, obviously, is ag literacy. And yes. I know that's something we uh, connect on. So so why did you choose to go the ag literacy route? Just because there are so many different things you could have done with this, right? There really are. Um, yeah. Ag literacy, I think it's kind of funny. I just, ag literacy really didn't come into my, I mean, of course, I've always been passionate about agriculture and like talking about agriculture, but ag literacy, that specific component really didn't come to me until I started teaching at Blinn and just kind of seeing how much misconceptions that our kids have today mm -hmm. and just youth in general and then the more that I interacted in extension education and like going to the Houston Livestock Show and being helping out with the kiddos who had like booths there 
and just seeing that like the general population truly just doesn't get it. And if you can sit there and have a intelligent, just general conversation with them, not talking down to them, just being like one-on-one, be like, why do you not want to eat meat? Or like, why are you concerned? And then they voice their concerns and then you kind of talk through it. That was really impactful for me. And I was like, this is what we need to be doing. Because I think sometimes, and I get it, like for agriculture, I think we go on the defense a little too much and we're not on the offense. And I really think we need to focus more on being the offense and just being as transparent as possible. If you're looking to make realistic life changes and wanting someone to help you with learning and maintaining consistency, Megan is your gal. Megan doesn't believe health and fitness should be a one-size-fits-all approach and therefore is dedicated to creating a plan that is best fit for your goals and needs. Visit MeganNicoleFitness.com today to kickstart your health journey. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Every workout plan is custom written to meet your goals, schedule, gym, or at-home workout needs, and comes with weekly check-ins and email support. Additionally, she also has limited spots available for FaceTime training sessions. And trying to be like, you know what, this is how milk is done, and this is why we have antibiotics, and this is why we do this. Just so that people know, and then they can make their decision. Like, I don't care. If you want to be vegan after that, more power to you. But I just want you to not be getting your information from Kim Kardashian. I don't want you to get it from somebody who understands ag, has the true education, is the farmer, has the boots on the ground, is interacting with those animals. I want that information coming from them, not from some influencer that you saw on TikTok or Instagram, and that's how you make your decision about our industry. Right. I could not agree more. I <laughs> have said time and time and time again yeah. that, um, you know, Ag has a beautiful story. We just don't do a great job of telling it. But I think your point about offense defense is really important because uh, we do. We get defensive when we are criticized or people have misconceptions. It's kind of like, well, you know, um, I think the general thought there is, well, you should just know. But if we aren't providing that information in a way that they can absorb Mm -hmm. it and understand it, how can we expect them to know that? Mm -hmm. And so I think the whole ag literacy thing is super important just from, um, you know, so many different levels, economic (laughs) impacts even. Oh my gosh. Um, And to start it at the youth level, I think is, is extremely important um, Yeah, because then they become educated consumers. And then hopefully the cycle starts with a more educated population when they are at the point of having families yes and it impacts their nutrition as well so that's why I have that all tied yep a hundred percent yeah and I think having the whole idea of having the information to make decisions based off of facts and not fear is exactly extremely important yeah (laughs) yes and you mentioned social media and I know you dabble in the social media world as well Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that and kind of how that came about and all the things you're doing in that world. Yeah. So for Texas 4-H, when I worked for Texas Youth Livestock and Agriculture, I was their social media coordinator for three years. 
And I think I saw just the comments that we would get because like our platform is pretty big, obviously. I mean, it's yeah. Texas 4-H. Right. Um, the comments that I would get on Instagram and like through Snapchat and things like that, I was like, whoa. <laughs> okay. So I was like, we got some things that like we need to address. And like, they were always, not always, but a lot of them were very aggressive and very like, that is not true. I'm not sure where you're getting this from. And so right. when I stepped away from that, I was like, I kind of want to do my own gig and kind of things that I've heard people who are like confusing things about ag. I was like, I just want to address those. And so I do. Um, TikTok is definitely more of my platform that I thrive on. That's mostly because I have a, a side note, a passion for shaking my booty. Um, <laughs> just gonna be real with you um so yeah I get to add the little dancing and then with my dancing I just do ag facts and I just talk about different misconceptions and that seems to do pretty well I have people who will message me and be like tell me about pasture raised pork and I was like I'd love to and like we just had a general conversation about it and like wow thank you for like being the first person to just talk to me like a human and not be aggressive and be like give me to eat like commercial rate and all this yeah. like no again it's your choice at the end of the day I just want you to understand the facts and that's kind of what I want to do via my platform is just make it fun and not so like intimidating and aggressive and just kind of put it out there and let people have conversations yeah no I think that's the best approach and I think yeah. we need to be doing that more yes <laughs> And social media is just such a strange world in its own. That is, yeah, it is. It's a hard world. Yeah. And like, because you have it where, I mean, especially for me being youth development, you have so many studies showing the negative sides of social media and like how that really impacts our youth mental health mm -hmm. and all of that, which I get. I just wish kind of what I did in 4-H was I would kind of show the kids. I was like, this is how we can do it in a positive way. Like just be open. Like we don't have to have like, look like Instagram models all the time. Like you can just be you. Right. And that's really okay to be transparent and be genuine. People would rather have that than the buffered and Photoshopped, all of those things. And so it's kind of a hard one to deal with, especially in the younger world. <laughs> Yeah, and I think uh, as, you know, Texas Livestock um, and Agriculture and the ambassador programs and all that yes. have been doing a really good job at really, you know, trying to yeah. develop advocates for the industry. For sure. um, and I know from a personal level, I'm, I'm working with the poultry ambassador yes. uh, program quite a bit, but um, it's it's a challenging world to try to train them in the world of social media, because honestly, they probably know it more than better than we do. Right. But making sure the way that they're using their messaging and their platforms in an appropriate and constructive way is, I think, where it gets a little bit challenging. Difficult. Yes. And one of the most difficult things I found when kind of training them was teaching them to not share or reshare like PETA stuff. Yeah. Or somebody like somebody said something negative about the industry and then they would share it and then write a comment about it. Right. I was like, here's the deal. I understand where you're coming from, 
but what are people going to see when you share that they're going to see the PETA thing or they're going right. to see that it's negative spreading that. that exactly like those people don't care who shares it yeah, as long as it gets shared and yes and so kind of tell again that's kind of like the offense versus defense thing so I would tell them like if you see a post about like how slaughter is inhumane then make a post about all of the ag facts that you know and share that instead and so that's kind of trying to help them reprogram because I mean I catch myself too like I oh, see 100%. something like this pisses me off and like triggered I <laughs> I'm like no but then I always have to like catch myself and be like hmm you're just feeding into their fire and you are actually helping them promote what they want to promote and it's not doing any good. So yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So with all of the things you have going on, what is kind of your end goal when you finish this, um, you know, when you are Dr. Sprayberry? Oh my gosh, that sounds nice. Right? Um, I can see it. I can see it at the end. Yeah, the light at the end of the tunnel looks so dim. Um <laughs> dim and getting further and further away it does like you would think it would get better at this point but no um I want to go to into academia I wrestle with myself every day about it but I think that's truly where my passion lies because I love teaching and I love research and I love extension and so my way or how I see best fit to have the beautiful triangle of our land-grant universities is to go be at one yeah. That being said, that doesn't mean that I'm not open to other options, but right now that's what I'd like to do. And hopefully like, this is definitely like star in my eyes, like dreamer, but I want to change the game in academia. Like I'm so tired of everybody being driven by my age index is this. I have this many publications. I'm like snaps and claps to you. I would actually like to make an impact <laughs> rather than having going into high impact fact journals. I'm not in trouble for saying that, but right. you're going to be blacklisted. <laughs> exactly. They're like, you're done. You don't get your doctorate now. Whatever. Sorry. They can't take it away from me. But I'll I do fight. think, I think that's an interesting conversation because uh-huh. as you and I have experienced in terms of like being undergraduates and now graduate students at a top tier research at university, uh, I think the approach to the classroom is different. Yeah right? So it's very hard to find those individuals who are good in the classroom, but also prolific in the research areas. And so I don't, I I think you're onto something there in terms of making an impact in both ways, because really you're, you're hoping that you're going to have an impact through your research, but also hope you have an impact on the individuals who are sitting in your classroom and the, the information that you are putting out there to the minds of the future right (laughs) molding the youth yeah I mean terrifying yeah maybe we should rethink this whole process (laughs) maybe you shouldn't be doing that Sarah (laughs) but it's a I think an interesting conversation and uh I would agree I think there's there's room for improvement in higher education a lot of room yeah and we're probably around in it yeah there's yeah (laughs) It's just, it's an interesting world to be on, especially I think, you know, going through college, I had no concept yeah. of really like what all goes on. And then now being on this side of things, it's like, yes. oh, that's why that happens. Or, oh, that makes sense now, you know? It's a completely different world. Like undergrad is, yeah, you kind of have 
your blinds on and you're kind of like living in a happy-go-lucky world and then you go to grad school and you're like oh <laughs> you're kind of open to more of the ins and outs of things and maybe the not so pretty side sometimes which is unfortunate but yeah, yeah. it's okay but, but that's the world we've chosen to live our lives in this is isn't it so you can't yeah nobody can feel bad for me right I, I know we chose this life <laughs> yeah it's fine it'll be fine oh man great (laughs) but okay and like I know we kind of just you know we routed on higher education a little bit there but I do think it is it's good it is yeah I mean it's we have to have it it's a vital part of the industry and educating people (laughs) sometimes good or bad I know yeah no it is and I mean, at community colleges, I'll give them a shout out because they gave me my first career in academia. And so, I mean, those are important too. And so, yeah, it is. And I, into, I mean, in the world of agriculture, right? You don't have to go to a four-year university no. to be, no. have a successful career or, you know, um, being in an area that you enjoy. I mean, shoot, yes. sometimes on the job experience is more impactful than these, uh, mm-hmm long 10 years of of colleges that we are experiencing but (laughs) but I think it's just important to know too that you have options and oh yeah research and and graduate school is an option it is an option it's a great option great option (laughs) no and I I really do I really have enjoyed my experience so far like for the most like most part you know it's a struggle but I would say yeah that's and that's life exactly I'm like you're not gonna find a single person that was like yeah grad school was a breeze it was amazing best time of my life nobody's gonna say that I mean it's supposed to be hard yeah it's upper level so exactly otherwise it's probably not worth doing if you could just breeze through it exactly so it's fine but for anybody who's listening (laughs) (laughs) no you're not selling this well (laughs) you're not who is maybe thinking about grad school or going into the world of academia or wanting to know more about agriculture education at the level that we are at what is something that you would share with them Ooh, Allie that's really hard I know I'm sorry because I could write a dissertation about that really though (laughs) I mean you could um I think Probably my biggest advice or something that I would share is you need to make sure that what you are choosing or the degree that you're choosing or route you're choosing something is that you are very, very passionate about. Why I say that is because you're going to be in the thick of it and you are going to be doing it over and over and over and over and over, especially like picking what you want to research. You're going to talk about that. Like I've been talking about my research project for the past two years and I'm going to continue to talk about it. And when I go and try to get hired, I'm going to continue to talk about my dissertation. And so if you pick something that you're just kind of like, because you're probably, I mean, like it has, like, I'm not tired of it yet because I'm so passionate about it. And that is what I want to do with my life is just making sure that it's something that you truly like are gung-ho about. Because if you are just feeling kind of like, eh, then you're not going to, A, it's going to be brutal trying to get through grad school because, I mean, what's your motivation? And B, like, you got to be a self-motivator. And so 100%. having something that fuels you that much 
we'll get you. <laughs> yeah. And you have to defend yourself. No, I mean, not just yeah. like your, not just your def- uh, dissertation or thesis defense, yeah. but like you're going to have to defend why you think it's a, a good project or a good thing to study or why it's important to study. So yeah, pick something you're passionate mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Pick something that can forward your career or yes. goal mm-hmm. at the end of it. Um, and that's not an easy process no. to come up with either. Like this past yeah. semester, I like literally multiple times, like driving home crying, like, I don't know what to do. Like I have so many interests, so many different things that could impact one it's thing. Yeah. And so just like trying to pick one project, cause you're not going to solve the world's issues in one dissertation or one that research project. The biggest thing. So yes. trying to like creatively, but yet in de- like conclusively come up with yes a thought or an idea to pursue right? as a research project is a lot harder than you would think at least that yeah. was my experience no absolutely making sure that it's like feasible mm-hmm. because like you said like you can't solve the world's problems and like I came in and I had this amazing research idea but it's something that would be like a five-year grant yeah. like Sarah doing this <laughs> a year and a half girl and pop like it's not happening yeah. I mean it's great but so it's kind of like you know they always like to talk about that the funnel funnel, funnel, it, down. funnel it down and I hate that they're right but I know they're right <laughs> they, they are right. <laughs> and I would say too I think something that's important I mean just in life in general obviously but especially in graduate school is to like find a group of people that you can uh commiserate yeah. with your tribe yeah, yeah. and yeah. Also, like uh, a mentor, if possible, if possible, being the keyword in the department. Like, I would tell you, yeah, my mentor is not. It's not my chair, and it's not in my department. So, finding someone that really can understand what you're going through—that's a big thing too. Like you said, it's just. I mean, I love like my boyfriend's great and all that, but like he doesn't get grad school. Like he gets it. But what he doesn't. That's exactly how my boyfriend is. That is exactly how Ty is. He's like, think of it. Exactly. They're like, you did your proposal. I'm like, no, I know. this is a big deal, dude. He's like, cool. I'm like, I need you. I know, right? I am right there with you. Yeah. And this, the world of this is hard to describe to people who are not involved. Really Even like, is. I call my mom and I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Yes. And she's like, uh, okay I don't know how to help you but sounds good and I'm like my mom is the same way just pick yeah. something for me sure she's like please, what do you need from me please fix it exactly <laughs> can you just do it for me because <laughs> I can't do it anymore right oh man well you are done with classes prelims are done proposal is done you are in the research data collection stage so it's painful uh-huh. stay strong sister stay strong we're getting there. It's you're getting there. I'm a little worried, but it's okay. But you're you're getting there. It'll be fine, yeah. and it'll be so worth it when you're done. I am like Ross from Friends on repeat. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. You just have to keep telling yourself that. It's all going to be great. It's going to be great. <laughs> We're going to graduate. Oh, right. Okay. Well, um, not to uh, cut our our <laughs> graduate school. <laughs> life lessons short here but what is a way that somebody can get a hold of you Sarah if they are wanting to reach out to talk about anything that we've talked about today um yeah they can email me at sprayberry12tamu.edu 
they're more than happy to. Um, they can also message me on Instagram, which is just Sarah Sprayberry, and then Blooming Advocate is my Instagram and TikTok. So if they want to message me there, they're more than welcome to. Fantastic, ma'am. Well, thank you so much. Thank and you. I can't wait to see how everything finishes and the kind of what you find through your studies and just where you go in life and your career. I know. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks for more agricultural related content. And also be sure to check out your favorite podcast here from www.agchicks.net. We'll see you next time.